0: I know that within her, there's some good, bad, and ugly. But I want to tell you in my 49 years, 99.9% of all mine's been good. Because without her, I'd have never known him. She's the one that witnessed to me. She's the one that preached to me. She's the one that prayed for me. She's the only one that could. As a matter of fact, she means so much to me that my wife's here, and I just want you to know that she came out of her. I found her in her. But everything that I am spiritually, I got from her. Did I tell you I love her? She was around in the first century. She's around now in the 21st century. She's going to be around in glory because I saw a wedding. She's going to be there. I know that she is local. She was in Revelation chapter 1, she's historical down through the centuries most of all she's spiritual she's been born of the spirit with life from above she's been washed in the blood I thank God for her but I want to go a step further this morning and I want to preach on him because without him I wouldn't even have known her He made her possible. I'm thinking about that servant that Abraham sent into the far country to get Rebekah. The only reason why we know Rebekah's name is because of Isaac. Hadn't been no Isaac, there wouldn't been no need for Rebekah. That servant went into the far country to let her know that he is. And told her all about him. Basically, he said, because he is, you are. Thank God you are, because Christ is. You know what you call a woman who marries a rich man? You know what that makes her? Anybody know? If a poor woman marries a rich man, what's that make her? Now, he may end up poor, but... She's a rich woman. And I want to say to you that everything that he received to his father, he gave to her. So don't try to bypass her to go to him. He'll send you back to her. Without her, I wouldn't have known him. Without him, there wouldn't have been no her. I want to read a couple of verses uh, in Ephesians, and then I'm going to come to my text where you're at. Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 22, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And then in chapter number 3 in verse 21, unto him be glory in the church. You can be seated. He is all about her. We saw that yesterday. But because of that, she ought to be all about him. Because she is thrice his. She was a gift to him by the Father. All those that thou hast given me. She belongs to him because the Father gave her to him. Secondly, because he purchased her with his own blood. And thirdly, because she's his bride. She is the bride, the body, and the building of Christ. And can I say to you that this meeting, nor any other meeting, when she comes together, ought to be about no one but him. It's not even about her, because she is about him. A.W. Tozer said, the Lord did not save the sinner so he could make much of him, but he saved the sinner so the sinner could make much of Christ. And as I look into the book of the Revelation when we read this text, I want to say to you, if all you ever see is beasts and false prophets and devils and locusts and bottomless pits and seals and vials, you've missed it. This is a book about him, and all the Bible is about him. And I want to say to you that she is about him. Now let's read this text, and I want to point out three things to you specifically. Look in verse number one. The Bible said, the revelation Of Jesus Christ. Look in verse number 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from who? Him which is. Verse number 5. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto who? Him that loved us. Verse 6, And hath made us to be kings and priests unto God our Father, to who? Him be glory and dominion forever and forever. Look, if you will, in verse number 12. I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the pants with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet were like fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand, seems to me that it's all about him, seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp 2 edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Drop down to verse number 20, The Mystery of the Seven Stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars of the seven uh, angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, let's look how he introduces himself to each one of these churches. We'll magnify it a little more later on. Look in chapter 2. In verse 1, Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he. If you'll look in verse number 8, and Unto the angel of the churches of Smyrna, These things saith the first and the last. Uh, Verse number 12, And the angel of the church in Pergamos, These things saith he. He emphasizes that it is he that uh, is in the, is, should be the one magnified as far as the church is concerned. Let me emphasize three things. I'm talking about him and what he means to her. I love to go to church, don't you? But when I go to church, I'm interested in, In Him being there. I want to know that He's going to be at home. I want to go to church where I can feel Him. I know that we're not supposed to go on feelings, but I sure like to feel a little bit as I go. I like to go where I can hear Him. I'm interested in what he's got to say. And I also want to go where, thank God, I can see him. And I want us to notice in our text here that the Bible tells us he is in the midst. I want us to notice that he's the one that's got the message. And I want us to see that he's the one that is being manifested. I'm interested in his presence. I'm interested in his preaching. And I'm interested, thank God, in his person. Now let's look at this uh, text where the scripture tells us that he is in the midst. He says so to the church at Ephesus to begin with. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the golden candlestick. What we understand in the New Testament, wherever you find Jesus, you find him in the midst. If he's talking to the doctors and lawyers in the temple, he's in the midst. If he's with the disciples, he's in the midst. If he's in the storm, he's in the midst. As a matter of fact, he tells us where two or three are gathered together, there I will be in the midst. And the fact that Jesus is in the midst of her, it suggests to us that he's in the center. He is the center of our attention and the center of our Attraction. Yes. It speaks of his position in relationship to her. He is in the midst, and so therefore he is close. And we know that he desires to be close to her. Yes. As every uh, man desires to be close to his wife, so Jesus, as the groom, desires to be close to the bride and therefore he wants to be in the midst. He desires to be in the midst as far as closeness is concerned. He's center. Uh, He is in the forefront as far as the church is concerned. But not only that, he is central to the church. I think about uh, the sun in our solar system and how that there are those nine planets that revolve around that sun. And that sun has a vital importance and it is because of the gravitational pull of that sun that all those planets stay where they're supposed to stay in orbit. That's right. But if you were to take the sun out of the midst of that, all of the planets would just shoot out into infinity because they could not hold their place. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is in the midst of the church because he wants to be uh, close to us, but he has to be in control of us. If the church is going to work like she's supposed to work, he's got to be the focal point. If not so, we're going to be like Simon Peter walking on the water as he looked at Jesus. But the moment he took his eyes off from him, he began to sink. Yes. And you know as well as I do, in the church many times there comes divisions. Yes. Uh, There'll arise some battles. And you'll have one side over here and another side over there. And each one will claim that the Lord is on their side. Right. But he ain't here to join sides. That's right. Uh, He is here to be in the midst. In other words, he's to be the one that we are to be focused on. And I don't care what the difficulties are. If they're getting your focus off of him, honey, you're in trouble as far as the church is concerned. I was noticing as Brother Mark was preaching yesterday about the woman caught in adultery when they brought her to Jesus. The Bible said they put her in the midst. That's the first mistake they ever did. He yeah. ought to have been the one in the midst. And right. not putting her in the midst. And I noticed when they were putting Jesus on trial, said the high priest got in the midst. Well, he got in the midst, honey. That's where the trouble started. Jesus needs to be in the midst. And I want you to notice that he desires to be close. I want to go to church where he's so close that I can feel him. And that I can know that he is near and that I... Can fellowship with him. I'm talking about his very presence, thank God, with her, with you, and with me. That's right. It speaks of his control and his closeness. He is in the midst. Yes. Can I say to you, preacher, don't you get in the middle. That's right. We're can I say to you, church member, don't you get in the middle. Yes. Can I say to you, piano player, don't you get in the middle. Yes. Uh, can I say to you deacons, God help, don't you get in the middle. That's right. uh, can I say to myself, I'm not here to get in the middle. Thank, Thank God. God he's in the midst. Amen. He's Amen. in the midst. Which leads me to say, he's not only the head of the church, he is the heart of the church. Amen. And everything should be focused on him and revolve around him. He wants to be so close to our hearts and to our lives so that we can feel and sense that he is there. You probably heard the story of the little boy riding home with his parents from church. And he said, Daddy, how come the preacher always calls the church the house of God? He said, well, son, because it is. He said, well, how come he ain't never home? (laughs) Well, I want to go when he's at home. I want to go when he is given the preeminence. I want to go when he is the one that's being exalted. I want to go when he is the one that is being magnified. He is in the midst. If if it's going to be held together, if it's going to operate right, if it's going to function like it ought to, honey, he's got to be there. I want to go to church. I do. But I want to go to church where I can feel him in the midst. The second thing that I would point out to you, as he says to each one of these churches, uh, as I pointed out in chapter number 2 and verse number 1, And these things saith he. And to each one of these churches, he wants them to know, that there's a main speaker uh, for the event. In other words, when... And I, let me back up and say this. He's in the midst of the church, yep. but that's the only thing he wants to get in the middle of. That's right. Don't drag him off into some institutional matter. He ain't interested in getting in the middle yep, of the social gathering. Right. He's in the middle of her. If you want to find him, he's always in the middle of yep. her. Yep. Uh but I notice here that he is the he is the keynote speaker to all of these churches. Uh thus saith unto the angel of the church, uh, thus saith he. Uh, he is the one that is going to have the message. I like to go to church. Yes. I like to go where I can feel. It. And I like to know he's been there, don't you? when I leave, I like to be able to express that I I sensed the presence of the Lord while I was there. Now, there'll be a whole lot of other things involved, a lot of things going on, honey, but the most important thing is, is that you know that He's there. Yes. I want to go when I can feel Him, but I'll tell you, I also want to go when I can hear Him. Yes. That's right. And let me say this, He speaks to her, He speaks to her. But he only speaks to her. He doesn't have anything to say to anybody else but her. No, he's not out just uh, 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 talking to everybody. He's talking to her and her alone. If he's got something to say, he'll say it to her. I'm glad he speaks to me. Aren't you glad he speaks to you? He's speaking to her. He only speaks to her. And if he's got anything to say to anybody else, he'll say it through her. (laughs) The only hope of this world is her. And what he says to her and says through her, hallelujah. He is the speaker. Now, why shouldn't he be the speaker? I mean, after all, he's the husband. He ought to know more about her than anybody else. That's right. I'm going to tell you, I don't want just anybody trying to instruct my wife. That's right. And I'm going to tell you, I don't, I I don't think she wants anybody just instructing me. But, honey, he's got something to say to her because she belongs to him. And if you'll notice. To each one of these churches, he says, I know. Yes. See, I, I don't know what your need is this morning, but I'm glad to tell you he does. That's, right. That's why I don't need to have the message. He's got the message. And thank God at times he speaks it through his servants. He speaks it through his people. But he's the only one that knows. Yes. And if you look down through this text... In verse 2, he said, I know thy works to the church at Ephesus. In verse 9, he said, I know to the church at Smyrna. In verse 13, he said, I know to the church at Pergamos. In verse 19, he said, I know (laughs) to the church at Thyatira. Hey, children, he knows. And he's the only one that does know. He said to the church at Sardis in verse 1 of chapter 3, I know. He said to the church at Philadelphia in verse number 8 of chapter 3, I know. He said to the church at Laodicea in verse number 14, I know. I'm going to tell you something. He knows you like nobody else knows you. He knows your situation. He knows your suffering. He talks about it to all of these churches. He knows your sin. He knows what's right in your life. He knows what's wrong in your life. That's right. And he knows the solution because he says to each one of those churches about, he comments about their overcoming. In other words, he knows all there needs to be known and all there is to be known about her. And so it is he that comes. He commends her, he charges her, he comforts her, he corrects her because he knows her works, he knows her woes, he knows her weariness, he knows her worship, and he knows her wellness. When Jesus is in the midst, honey, because He knows what to say and when to say it to her. He knows what to say and when to say to you. He knows what to say and when to say to me. That's why you don't want to be dismissive of her. That's why you don't want to uh, forsake her. That's why you don't want to walk away from her. Because, honey, it's when she is in the in, together, he is in the midst. And when he's in the midst, he's a speaking to her. And I want to be there when he speaks. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, we realize he's the great physician, is he not?: That's right. He's the doctor to the church, by what he says. And honey if he's going to minister to you, if he's going to help you, he's going to do so by what he says to you. That's right. Not by what somebody else says, but by what he says. And I notice in this text that he goes through that church. As the physician. Yeah. Did you notice that? He went to the church at Ephesus and he checked her pulse and he said to her, You've lost your first love. You need to have your heart examined. Right. Woo. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Hadn't you went into church of mine in your own business and you thought you were all right spiritually? Ah. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord Jesus got a hold of your pulse and began to tell you what was wrong with you. Amen. He said to another church, he said, there's something wrong with your feet. You, you, your temperature's not right. You're not hot and you're not cold. Yep. There's something wrong there. You, you, you need a checkup real bad. And then he said to all them churches, he said to every one of them, he said to, to he that hath an ear. In other words, he done an ear exam on everybody that was there. He said, let me check your ears. He said, oh boy, you can't even hear. You need to go have them things cleaned out. He done an ear exam. He's the great physician that's going through the church. If he's there, he's in the midst, and thank God he's got the message. He knows what to say to you. He knows what you need. He'll check your heart. He'll check your hearing. He'll check your temperature. And then he said to the church of Laodicea, he said, man, you can't even see right. You need some eyesight. You've got cataracts. Not cataracts. You got cataracts. There's something wrong with your vision. He doesn't. when folks begin to forsake her. They start getting sick. They don't even know what's wrong with them. But he does. I want to go to church. I do. But I don't just want to hang out where there's a building and lights and chandeliers and Carpet. I want to go where he is, where he's in the midst. I want to be able to feel him. And thank God I want to be able to hear what he's got to say. Amen. Matter of fact, you know as well as I do that if anything happens here this morning, he's got to do it all. That's right. I mean, that's just the way it is. He's got to do at all. That's why when we leave the house of God, we'll say, "Boy, wasn't the Lord there?" Yeah. And that's what made it important. Right. Yes. And if a preacher gets up and preaches, and and I'm going to tell you, the big preacher takes over. If you go and you try to give accolades to him, uh, it will offend him because he knows he wasn't doing the preaching. The big preacher showed up. And when somebody begins to sing, we'll often say, boy, didn't the Lord get in that singing? In other words, honey, he has to be here and he has to be in the midst because he's the only one that can sing in tune with heaven. He's the only one that can preach. That truth and what you need to know. He's the only one who knows how to worship. He's got to do it all. Let him do it all. Yep, yep, yep. I'm talking about him. I love her, don't you? Yep. Hadn't been for her, I wouldn't have known him. But I love him because without him, they wouldn't have been no her. That's right. Yep. I want to go to church. I want to go where I can feel Him. I want to go where I can hear Him. But then I want to point out to you from verse number 12 down through verse number 17. I want to go to church where I can see Him. I want to go to church where I can see Him. And if you'll notice in those verses, John sees Jesus like he's never seen him before. Oh, he he hung out with him three and a half years, but he'd never seen him like this. And if you'll notice, he said in verse 12, I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, speaking of his humanity clothed with a garment down to the foot, speaking of his priesthood, gird about the pants of the golden girdle, speaking of his royalty. His head and his hairs were white like wool, speaking of his antiquity and his wisdom. As white as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire, speaking of his vision, his perception, his discernment. His feet likened unto brass as if they burned in a furnace, speaking of his judgment. His voice is the sound of many waters, speaking of his word. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength, speaking of his glory. And when I saw him, I felt that his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Here is a manifestation of Christ. A manifestation of Christ. But I notice here in this text that that John's not seeing a picture of Jesus, he's seeing the person. Now if we go to the Old Testament, all you can get of Jesus at your best is a picture. Whether we're talking about the tabernacle, we're talking about the temple. If we're talking about the characters such as Joseph and Moses and David, those are all pictures of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I have loved and wallowed in the pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. But I'm going to tell you, there's something better than a picture. It's a person. Honey, in the Old Testament, all you could get is a picture, but here John is showing us the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am glad that through our relationship with Him, we can see that He's more than just a story. He's more than just an Old Testament type. But I'm glad for that day as a 14-year-old boy, when He appeared to me, I was able to see who He was. I was thinking about there in Matthew chapter number 17 when... James and John and Peter were taken up on that mount of transfiguration. And there it seemed as though that the God in him that had been in him since birth oozed to the outside. And I'm here to tell you, I'm glad that Jesus wants to reveal. I'm, I'm glad for the times when I can feel him. I'm glad for the times he'll let me hear him. But I'm also glad for the times He lets me see Him. That's right. Amen. And there they were able to see that, that glory of God as it surfaced and came to the outside of Christ. And someone said how wonderful that is, and it was wonderful. But I'm going to say, I want, to, I want you to know there's something that captivated me even more than that. And it is this truth. How in the world did he hold all that in for all of those years? Because at the time of his death, at the time of the crucifixion of Christ, there wasn't a handful of people that really knew who he was. That's right. And I'm going to tell you why, because he never showed them. He went those 33 and a half years and never showed them. He wouldn't even show himself to Herod. I got to thinking of those experiences with Christ Playing probably with the kids when uh, he was a child. You just think about all the toys he could have come up with if he wanted to. Yeah. But he didn't want to. Yeah. He sucked it up, is what he did. So that the kids that played with him, even his own brothers, didn't even know who he was. Wow. Now, for you and I, if we're anything, we want everybody to know it. Yeah. He was God. Right. Yeah. And many times said, don't even tell any. Matter of fact, when they come down off the mountain, said, don't tell. this; They ain't going to believe it no how till after another mountain, which is the cross. And uh, and I thought about uh, when he was in the temple with those doctors and lawyers. And uh, they were amazed at what he said. But I wonder what he could have said if he'd have wanted to say it. It would have blown them away. You know that Jesus Father Joseph was a carpenter. He also himself was said to be a carpenter. And can you imagine the first day on the job when uh, they bring Jesus to the foreman and they say to the foreman, Now listen, this is Joseph's son and what we want you to do is train him on how to do some building." You reckon he knew anything about building? They didn't know it. He sucked it up. And can you imagine that poor old foreman taking him over there and said, Now, Jesus, I know your daddy's a carpenter, but I'm just wondering, did you and your daddy ever lay a foundation? Oh, I said, how did we lay a foundation? You are standing on it. But he didn't say anything. He sucked it up. They laid the foundation. He said, now, Jesus, we're going to do an important part. Uh, We're going to frame up this house. Did you and your daddy ever frame anything? He said, oh, he could have said, oh, yeah, we framed a whole lot of stuff. Just look around. We framed it all. But he sucked it up. For all of those years, he sucked it up. He did not manifest himself. Israel had rejected him. They were blinded to him. And he sucked it up. But I'm here to tell you, as a 14-year-old boy walking down a little alley, the Son of God showed up to me, and He didn't suck it up. He showed off, and He said, looky here, I am Him. And I didn't get no picture. I didn't get an Old Testament type. I met the person of the Lord Jesus Christ honey, how many times, sitting in the house of God, has he taken his word and said, looky here, take another look at me. He ain't sucking it up. He's not only only in the midst of the church. He not only only speaks to the church. But he only shows himself off to her. He's not showing any of this stuff to the world. They can't receive it no how. But I'm glad when she gets together, he moves in the midst of her and he shows himself off. What we're amen and praising God over is what we've seen. And if you've seen anything, he showed it to you. That's right. Amen. He shows himself personal. I want to go to church, don't you? Yes. Well, I want to go where I can feel him. Wow. I want to go where I can he- heal yes. him. I want to go where I can see him. Yes, yep. yes. See him in person. But I notice in each one of these. Churches, with the exception of one, Philadelphia. He reveals himself to them personably. In other words, they don't get the whole revelation of verse 12 down through verse 17. They get a fraction of it. They get a piece of it. He says to the church at Smyrna, unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive. Well, that's what he said in verse 17 and verse number 18. I'm a... He that liveth was dead, and behold, I'm alive. He said to the church at Ephesus, he's in the midst. Well, that's what John saw in the beginning. He said in verse 13, and in the midst, they didn't get it all. They just got portions. And I think the real reason for that is is there's no way we can comprehend all of him. He is infinite in his comprehension. But I'm glad he knew what each one of those churches needed to see, and that's what he showed them. Amen. That's right. It was according to where they were at and what they were going through as to what he would show them pertaining to himself. And the truth of the matter is, the Lord knows what you need to see and what I need to see, and that's what he's in the business of showing. He'd blow your mind if he, he short-circuit you if he showed you too much. You couldn't comprehend it, But he's revealing himself to each one of them. But isn't that true? He said if you're thirsty, he's the water. If you're hungry, he's the bread. If you're in darkness, he's the light. If you're sheep, he is the shepherd. In other words, you find in him, in the revelation of him, you find everything that you need that's right that's right he's here so you can feel him he's here so you can hear him and he's here so she she can see him in other words he's all about her He's all about her. Yes. Yes. He put it all in her. Well, why shouldn't she be all about him? Well, good... right. 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 You've probably heard the story of the two ladies in London back during Spurgeon's Day that went away around the several meetings. And they said as they exited one meeting, they overheard everybody say after the service, wasn't that a wonderful message? And rightfully so. I've said it myself. They went to another church and when the meeting was ended, they exited and they said, wasn't he a great preacher? And rightfully so. But they said when they went to hear C.H. Spurgeon, who always pointed you to the cross, when they left, they overheard folks saying, Isn't Jesus wonderful? Yeah. Yes, yes. Unto Him be glory where? In the church. In the church. In the church. Amen. You know why? Because institutions can't glorify Him, only the church can Amen. glorify Him. Amen. Unto Him is glory from her. Because she's the only one that knows him and he's the only one that knows her. I got a prayer that I many years ago typed. I was listening to this preacher uh, whom I did not know but uh, had heard preached uh, probably six, eight, ten times but had a great impact on my life. And this prayer is the greatest prayer I think I've ever heard prayed outside of the Bible. It says it all in a nutshell as to what was preached before I preached and what I'm preaching. It's all about Him. Listen to this prayer that Brother Joe Parsons prayed. The date of it was 1963. It was on, it was on a reel-to-reel tape and... I'd had my back operated on and I was just listening to it. And when I heard it, I had it transferred over on the cassette tape and wrote it out. Listen to this prayer. Our Father, we are grateful for this time, place, and people. In other words, he's saying, I'm grateful for her. Under the appointment of our blessed Savior and our little journey, Along through life. Moving out of time into eternity. Save us from ourselves. Help us to realize that our own methods and self-efforts. And our goodness is as bad as our means. Only in the Lord Jesus can anything be acceptable. Help us to wake up tonight to this truth. That God can only receive his own will as it works in us and his own works through us and no stamp of approval on the flesh for Jesus' sake. Sounds to me like Brother Joe was saying it's all about him. I don't know, did I tell you I love her? 'Cause without her I wouldn't have known him. But I love him because without him there wouldn't have been no her. That's right. Let's stand.